motherfucker. Welcome back to A Simple Podcast. I am your erstwhile host, Christina Grace, and with me, as always, are my two co-hosts. We also have a special guest, but we're going to hang on to that for just one moment. Co-hosts <laughs> I am Alana Bennett, as you know, screenwriter and culture writer, uh, a simple favor enthusiast. Mm. And I am uh, Jordan Cruciola, a writer journalistically, a uh, producer independently, and a simple favor enthusiast. My enthusiasm abounds, I will say, yes. And, and does I'm that... Gonna, yeah, I think I'm going to have our guest introduce uh, himself. I think this is a really exciting moment for him and us. As a- yeah. It is. Uh, well, I'm Paul Feig, the, uh, the director <laughs> and producer of uh, <laughs> Simple Favor. And I'm a Bye. Simple Favor enthusiast, too. <laughs> This would be a really sad interview if you were like, well, it's okay. Yeah, I will like I, I've said this on Twitter, but I, I will just add the the background of when we started doing this, it, it began with just a not even a series of DMs. It was a one DM. Do you guys want to do this pod? And Christina and Alana responded, yes. Mm-hmm. And then we talked, like we, we talked, joked, but like sincerely were like, and then we'll just tag Paul Feig every episode when we post. <laughs> and hopefully at some point get like a nod of approval from him with like an emoji. And then we announced that we were doing it. And Paul immediately said, yes, he would do- join for an episode. So we really, uh, we really manifested. We really manifested. Vision this boarded one. this hardcore. Yeah, oh this God. is the secret, basically. <laughs> <laughs> I need a lot of tips. Um, no, I was I was so thrilled when I when I saw your tweet because I mean you know I, Simple Favors probably my one of my top two favorite movies I've ever made. Spy mm, Baby. Okay. Yeah, good, great. But at the same time, you know, Simple Favor did well, but it really didn't do that well and mm. so I was always kind of left feeling like ah, oh, did we screw something up you know how, what did we do wrong but it's lovely because it's kind of taken this second life uh, uh, most recently and it, it, it's you know that's all you wish for as a filmmaker you did nothing yeah. wrong <laughs> we talk all the time about how uh, this film needed Oscars yes. it needed everything yeah and we do believe it will live forever as this like brilliant thing Oh. Yeah. So well, and I, I, I think one of the things that I think one of the things that like I think appeals to to each of us so much about it, and and I know for me is that there there's such a timeliness to it in taking advantage of how the cultural mores have shifted around cinema to do certain things you accomplish in this movie while working in that noir thriller space that is that does feel timeless. That sort of feels like cinema cinema of time and memorial. So the coming of together of those two things, we kind of got to have we got to have our cake and eat it too in that sense. I got to have the fun, playful, psychosexual, queer tension that I want (laughs) in a 21st century movie, but I got to have the like mysterious sumptuousness of, as you've, you know, mentioned many times as a reference, like a Hitchcock film. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, honestly, that's really what pulled me in. You know, I I don't know how much you know the backstory of it. I'll tell you the real quick, quick backstory. It it, it was a script that, wait, we had a deal at Fox at the time and got sent the script from Fox 2000 who said, would you produce this? Because we don't know what this is. <laughs> they said, it's a thriller, but I think it's a comedy. We, we don't know if it's a comedy. And so I was like, well, no, let me read it. It sounds, because thrillers are my favorite genre. I just love okay. it. 
Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, so I read it and fell so head over heels in love with it. I never just sitting out on my back patio right out here, just going, oh, my God, oh, my God. And I got like halfway through the script. I was like, it's got to be over. It's like, no, we're only halfway through it. And I in heaven because I don't know how to write a script like that. Okay. Um, you know, so I finished reading it and went, called them up and said, like, I don't want to just produce this. I want to direct it. And they were kind of like, mm -hmm. what? They didn't expect that. Um, and then it just kind of went forward from there. Mm -hmm. and, and we, yeah, we, we really wanted to, like, we really want to, you know, Alana specified in the doc we prepared coming into this, <laughs> but we really want to get into, like, this is a familiar audience. You're on friendly terrain. So we really wanted to get into the deep cuts of your <laughs> yeah. experience with this movie. And I think Alana had a question that we really wanted to lead with. So Alana, do you want to open yes. this conversation up yes. to really Bring dig in? Blows the an door, blow the door an, open, babe. Yeah, an, an important yep. fun fact to know about this podcast is one of our uh, features every episode is that we talk about the brother fucker scene, yeah. <laughs> which we yeah. think is, you know, there are just so many layers to it. We find something new to it every time that we appreciate it. Like Blake setting down the martini glass, the cuts back and forth to Ted from Shit's Creek, all of it, <laughs> it really, it just builds. And so what we wanted to ask you first was, what was it like directing that sequence, you know, mm -hmm. digging into the emotions of it, but also building that narrative tension, the connection between these characters? Like, what did you choreograph? What was loose? We want to know mm -hmm. everything. Don't. I Brother don't. Don't. <laughs> this is good. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I, I'm, I'm, First, I'll tell you, I am the most uncomfortable person having to shoot a sex scene. It is literally my kryptonite. And if you, know, <laughs> if you watch any of my movies that have a sex scene in them, it always starts in a wide shot and it eventually pushes into somebody's face and that's it. And just that's all I <laughs> That's knowing yourself. I think that's really important. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> no, but so that was originally, you know, it was scripted that they're telling the story, you know, she's lying, but, and then you kind of reveal it after it but when i went in to look at the editor's cut my editor brent white uh, you know i was watching the um the, the the assembly which is always a harrowing experience when you're a director because you basically <laughs> have the moment you go like oh my god i made the worst movie of all time <laughs> so he had taken it and chopped it up that way with the inner cutting and at first i was kind of like oh wait no we have to wait and reveal that later and he's like watch it again and as mm. i started watching i go like that's brilliant because it it allowed in real time to go like oh i'm not lying and then seeing the lie and then deciding where we were going to keep the, the voiceover going over the top of it so you really hear her lying and trying to get mm -hmm. herself out of it so i went in to hug him and kissed i know it's so gross the end yeah you just kissed yeah we kissed you just kissed your your your, your brother yeah, it's so like it's so lurid. It's my half brother. It's not my brother, but it's it's well, your half brother though. It's okay. my it's but yeah. There's more. No, mm -hmm. no, there's no more. No, no. Yeah, there is. Mm. So you fucked him. What? Was he good? Um, you know, and then I mean, Anna Kendrick playing drunk is one of my favorite things <laughs> in the world. <laughs> Wow, just yeah. wow. Her, we've talked at length already. We haven't even done our Anna Kendrick special no. episode, but we have talked at length about her comedic timing, her like physical presence, the yeah. way she knows how to use her, her body and like the way that she says words, just oh, incredible. incredible. Yeah, the little, the little business of Anna Kendrick is just a whole world of a performance in like the flutter of an eye and just the looseness of her hands. Well, that's why, you know, it, it's so funny because, um, you know, I like to do a lot of 
alternate takes and like yeah. a lot of different things on a set. But Anna's not really, she's, she's not like kind of, oh, s throw me a thousand jokes. She's kind of mm. like that. And I get it, I respect that. Mm. But what she is so brilliant at doing is changing her performance, the nuances of her performance every take. And okay. so while we're not giving a bunch of different lines, she'll do a different attitude and a different physical thing that I'm constantly leaning in going like, wow. And when she was, <laughs> I thought for sure the, the world's most popular gif of all time was gonna be her doing that like, that thing. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny. I remember just laughing so hard. And we, you know, and I cross shot that scene uh, because that's when I direct. I, I, I have a, you know, normally you would just shoot, you know, Anna first and then you'd come right. around and shoot Blake first. But I want that connection and them to play off each other. And so by yeah. cross shooting, they had this crazy looseness that all played on camera and then Blake uh -huh. was funny of just giving her so much shit, you know. <laughs> <laughs> all that stuff when she's walking away. I mean, that's all, you know, just kind of them in the moment. And one of my favorite things about that scene uh, is, and correct us if we're wrong, but the way that we've been talking about it is like, this is a crucial moment in the connection between these two women. Mm -hmm. Like, it feels like the moment where Emily starts to really respect Stephanie because she mm -hmm. is this like, she's a little freak just like her yeah <laughs> and, you know i mean that's what i loved about you know all if you look at all my movies they're really about female friendship that's mm -hmm. the, uh, just a, a topic i love to explore over and over again i'm fascinated by it um and what's so cool about that scene is the whole first act Emily's just, she's just kind of living this life. So she's, mm -hmm. you know, she's pulled off some things in her past, obviously, but she's kind of just settled in. And so she's so happy to find somebody who has this secret past like she does. Mm -hmm. And it's, it, we needed to create that friendship. That's where they become like, oh, we actually are friends, even though we're very different. I got a brother fucker it taking care of my kid. Anything. Brother fucker. You know what? I don't know. It's these stupid martinis. Hey, brother Parker, do you want to stay for dinner? I shouldn't have even said anything. Yeah, I do want to stay for dinner. That would be lovely. I can't wait to see what you cook. You know what? I, I'm i going to cook brother. you the best meal of your life, and you're going to feel really bad about being so mean right now. And so it really sets up once she goes off and has to do this thing to her sister, what turns out mm -hmm. to be the murder of her sister, she becomes a fugitive again, but that connection is still strong from before mm -hmm. she had anything to hide. You know, mm -hmm. and that's what I wanted to have. I wanted them to have this friendship through the whole thing, even if it was a kind of a cat and mouse kind of like mm -hmm. who's on who's in the catbird seat, that they always yeah. have respect for each other. Absolutely. I'm really in, like I I'm really interested in this like the the fact that you cross shot it and what 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 time at what point in filming did you do this scene? Like how deeply into their rapport mm. yeah. were Blake and Anna at that point? Well, it was an interesting, the, the shoot was very, shoot was interesting because um, Blake has a thing with Ryan where it, usually if Ryan's working, Blake doesn't work. So she can take care oh, okay. of the kids and then vice sure. versa, you know? So, but what happened was when this, this uh, project came up, it was right when uh, he was going off, I think to do Deadpool or, uh, or Deadpool, oh. I think. So, but she so wanted to do it that we had mm -hmm. to figure out for her schedule how we could kind of do it in chunks. Mm -hmm. So we had we had to do it in like in, in I think it was like three one week chunks we had with her. Oh, okay. Yeah, and so you know because there's so much more stuff with Anna. Um, yeah, right. So this was part of the I think it was part of the last chunk because we didn't shoot inside that house. That was the end of our show. Oh, um, okay. The last two to three weeks, I think. Mm -hmm. um, 
And that location was amazing. That was all yeah. all natural lighting and everything. Oh, um, that's yeah, so they so they had already had a lot of their stuff before mm -hmm. that. So that that's what I liked, and we kind of planned it that way too, so that they could uh -huh. make that connection. Even though they're supposed to be discovering each other, you wanted them to have this kind of immediate chemistry. Yeah, I feel like you feel that from the second you enter the house in the film, from the second yeah, we do have her like taking, we talked extensively about the scene where she just takes off pieces of her suit yeah. and it's like, and it's just disarming Stephanie's character like piece <laughs> by piece as it disarms all of us in the yeah. audience. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Blake because that was Blake's idea. She was like, okay. I should have like these stripper things on. And just, <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, that's so brilliant. And that's Absolutely you know, brilliant. Like, Alice had to rig up that shirt and it kind of crap. <laughs> <laughs> and Anna's so funny, just the way she's oh. like, like trying to play cool. <laughs> yeah, Anna is our audience avatar in that moment. I know, I know watching that for the first time, I was just like, well, I am aggressively Anna Kendrick in this scene. So I feel extremely represented by yeah. what's happening in front of me right now. Well, that's, yeah. I, I love that. You know, I, I, here's the thing, you know, like I say, thrillers are my favorite movies and, mm -hmm. and I've always wanted to do like a Hitchcockian thriller. And I've been sent thriller scripts over the years but I never took to them because I couldn't, I, there was never a lead character I could relate to or kind of find my way mm -hmm. in. And yeah. the minute I read this, I go like, oh my God, this is such a nerd. You know, yes. <laughs> thrust into this, this crazy world. That was what really made it, made it come alive for me. And so when you say, mm -hmm. you know, she was your avatar through, that's how I felt. And that's how I was able to yeah. process and do the rewrites and everything in the whole movie. Yeah, in, mm -hmm. in our first, in recording our first episode, we all like went around and were like, do you think you're more of a Emily or Stephanie? And we were all like, mm, just immediately. We know. Yeah, we all know. <laughs> yeah we I all try know. to project an Emily energy. <laughs> I like the Which is what makes it better than that. Come We've on. all had that dynamic with somebody where it's like, you can't tell if you want to be with them or if you want to be them and you want their life. But then also you're like, oh, wait, actually, you're kind of maybe not my type of person or maybe you're exactly my type of person. Right. Uh, but yeah, we did talk extensively about um, the genre uh, of this movie in a past episode, and what uh, one thing that we talked about was the femme fatale, a trope that we think is at its peak in this movie, especially since both Emily and Stephanie fall into it at times. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But at the center of these women's dynamics is a feeling that you've explored a bit in your a, a lot in your past work, especially in Bridesmaids between like Rose's Rose Byrne's character and Kristen Wiig's character. And so, like, what was different in how you approached directing, you know, spiky women who are both repulsed by and attracted to one another in a more straightforward comedy versus right. in, in this thriller setting? Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, to be perfectly honest, I don't face it any differently. I just. Mm -hmm. It's all about the story and the tone of the story. Mm -hmm. And even in my craziest comedies, even though they're crazy, everybody in them is treating it very seriously. Mm -hmm. They just might be playing a very extreme character who is, is, is acting very naturally the way an extreme character would act. And so for this, you know, if anything, I wanted to make sure that we weren't gonna crush the comedy by mm -hmm. being it's a way I don't quite know how to say it because I don't want to say like by being too earnest, but by not by not playing into the extremeness of these two characters. They are both two very extreme characters. Yeah. yeah. You know, Anna's an extremely nerdy person who's like overachieving. You know, that's why I like that first scene of like she's, you know, buzzing around and she's Hi moms. Hi moms sets us up on the journey <laughs> that we need to go on for this yeah. movie. Absolutely. Just overachieving and trying too hard, but then she kind of can't 
she can't pr process why people don't like her, you know, because she, <laughs> yeah. just, she thinks she's doing the right thing. And that's yeah. a, a real common theme in everything that I write and do is that every character has to think they are doing the right thing. I have never understood these silly, hurtful divisions between working moms and stay-at-home moms. Honestly, I have found it difficult to make friends with either. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. Nobody's like, right. must be twirling, like, I'm gonna be evil. You know, if they are, they have some good reason, like, I'm being evil because this, yeah. do this right. thing, so. Yeah, I that's like one of our, the things that we've talked about is we love that Emily does, like, she does fall back on like, no, you threatened my kid. Like, this is about my kid. Mm -hmm. This is about like this life that I have built. Mm -hmm. Like, she's not just like abandoning her life to abandon her life. Like she's trying to, she is trying to protect her family. Uh, and even like, we love the the moments where it's really clear that Stephanie is a really, really good mom. That it is yeah. like, yeah, she's right. a zany person, but she also, they both have these things that are really, that you can really respect, that really ground them. Yeah, no, but very much so. You know, I mean, it's as weird as it is to say, like both her murders are sort of weirdly justified, even though yeah. they're strangely yeah. loving in their way. Yeah, yeah. She's <laughs> once she's protecting her sister, once she's protecting her child. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, so it makes, you know, I always want everything I do, the characters to be redeemable at the end, even mm -hmm. if they're kind of off a little bit. And, um, you know, I, I, I have to give a giant shout out to, and, and you should have her on your, your podcast, Jessica Scharzer. Yeah. The adaptation. I mean, if you would like to text Jessica and <laughs> kick her over to us, we are in. We'll take we are it. In. I know, taking I'm it all. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Because what happened, you know, when I read that, you know, I the first thing I read was that script mm -hmm. and it was just like a page turner, you know. And then after I came on board, I was like, oh, I should read the book. The book's really good, but the book, reading the book, I was like, I went, wow, Sharza, you really, you took these pieces and really <laughs> made them work, you know. Yeah. And, and um, so I, it's just it's such a masterful adaptation. I could never quite get over it. Well, I, and I, yeah, the adaptation I, I, I feel is like, incredible. yeah, yeah. And, and I feel like you, you, I feel like this is a narrative about you. I feel like it's a thing people have told you, it's a thing you know, but it's a thing I do want to emphasize that I, I do want to express our, my, our gratitude for the fact that this movie does, you and Jessica Scharzer, so committedly honor the diff different types of womanhood in this movie mm -hmm. and what is valid in the roles of women in society and commenting on them like you know they're in that great tiff at the end where it's like you know it's so hard you just never know she's like yeah we got a full-time job she's like don't give me that shit about a job i'm a mom it's a like the fact that it like keeps getting hammered home throughout the episode that each of these women is complete in their own way for pursuing what they have their secrets and they're they're a bit they're a, a bit broken in their own ways but it's not having to do with the fact of them being insufficient in sort of the world around them. They are yeah. sort of the zenith of who they are in their respective disciplines. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I, I mean, it was really important to, to, to me to make sure that this was a very pro-mom movie, you know, because yes. that, that's what that line came from. It's just like, yeah. oh, not a real job. It's like, hey, come on, don't give me that shit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> really, um, well, I, I love that, thanks. I mean, you know, I, I, I'm always just desperately trying to find three-dimensional portrayals of all, you know, female characters. And that's, mm -hmm. again, when I read this, it's just like, oh my God, this it's all here and now we can just take it and run with it. Yeah, even just in this, in the bits where, where Emily is telling Stephanie, you don't have to apologize for anything. It's, it feels like this great reflection of like a conversation that is constantly happening in real life, but from this person who we, quite frankly, has a lot to apologize for. And so just like the irony of that just felt like it felt, it's my favorite version that I've seen of that. Like you should smile more or like you don't have to apologize, like kind of uh, 
like modern day like girl power uh, discourse that goes on it yeah. felt like my mm-hmm. favorite like encapsulation of it because it's like yeah well, you shouldn't have to apologize but also sometimes maybe yeah. maybe sorry <laughs> no, I, feel like I really kind of love the muscular feminism of, of this film yes. <laughs> yeah that, even reading it, i could you know could see we could build that and then you know when i uh, heard that blake wanted to play it you know that she was the first one that kind of got brought up and i was like mm-hmm. i'm a fan of blake i Black. love that she yeah. like who was who was the who were the people bringing her up to you early on that were like you know consider Blake. No, well, what, what it was, it was really some. I don't even know how it happened. I just heard, okay. I was told by the studio they said like Blake Lively has expressed interest in this, and I was like, right. oh, but I only knew Blake from you know her you know her hero basically yeah. You know, yeah. hero roles, and so I was like, that's cool. But I mean, was she want to? Did she want to go this dark? Yeah. And I had a meeting with her in New York, and the minute she sat down, I was just like, oh my God, she wants to go for it. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to miss him. Your turn. Emily, come on. You're not going to kill me. Oh, yeah, I killed my dad and my sister, but I could never kill my husband fucking best friend. We were just, we fell in love immediately because just like pitching each other these things and like, would you do That's this? Excellent. Yes, I would do that. <laughs> yeah. And then you so Oh, sorry. Did you hear okay. her? We would, she would always sit around. I have somewhere in my files, she, we, you know, she wanted to come up with like really mean put downs for Henry. <laughs> and these lists where she would write these horrible things that she'd love Blake to me. <laughs> That's if any of those, if any of those come to mind while you're here, yes. feel free to just interject just with those as they come. Yeah, just up. I think cruel insults. Really good. That does kind of bring us to my um, one of the things we've talked about is uh, the role of the like kind of himbo in this mm. movie. Yeah, my, my favorite, my. Uh, one of the most memorable moments I had watching one of your movies in theaters was when I went to a press screen of Ghostbusters and the man next to me was commenting every time that Chris Emsworth opened his mouth. He was like, oh, it's just so unrealistic that a man that put together would be so stupid. And meanwhile, I was like getting my entire life from it. And I found his comment wildly inaccurate and I don't think he's ever met a man before. But, but you do have this impeccable track record of cinematic himbos. You've got Hemsworth character in Ghostbusters. You've got Statham in Law and Spy and mm-hmm. Golding right here in Simple Favor who it does great. And But yes. you, you have to admit the character as the character is a bit of a boob of a, of a man. <laughs> so, yeah, we just wanted to bring up the the this history of himboness that you are yeah. so good at. Oh well, thanks. No, I mean, I've gotten in trouble from a lot of my haters for it, but, uh, <laughs> but like, I'm like, hey, come on, all bets are off. We've seen the other portrayal the other way, and mm-hmm. look, yeah. a, a dumb guy is a dumb, it's funny. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what to say. Here's what we do. I go into the face-off machine, get a whole new face. I turn up, they never nice me. Do you have quarters? Because it costs 50 cents. Well, go pay. No, because it doesn't exist. Yes, it does. I heard Chris and Wright talking about it in the shitter. I'm pretty sure they were pulling your leg. You pair of fucking vaginas. Seriously? You've got to cut that out. But, you know, that was the weird thing with this because, you know, you know, we wanted you know, somebody great in the role, yeah. obviously, mm-hmm. but it's not a terribly attractive role to a lot right. of leading men right. because mm-hmm. he's really getting torn between these two people. <laughs> and um, and so I 
wanted to hire Henry for this and really had to, you know, kind of work really hard to get, get the approval uh, to, to let right. Henry do it. Because, because you know, um, Crazy Rich Asians had just finished shooting mm. when I when right. looked at him and it hadn't even come out where we were shooting. But, you know, I, all, all um, you know, thanks to Lionsgate for, for going along with it because obviously then they fell in love with them. Um, but, you know, first of all, Henry's the nicest man of the world. I mean, you never met a nicer guy, you know. <laughs> And he just brought such a kind of this Cary Grant charm, but still yeah. the feckless guy who's mm -hmm. so he's, trapped in the middle. Yeah, know? he's both incredibly <laughs> believable as someone who is like charismatic and someone who both of those women would be interested in, but also someone yeah. who they would get sick of very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, that was my big miscalculation. I, I mean, have you seen on the uh, on the Blu-ray the uh, the the ending that uh, that got cut the, off the the dance musical the dance musical yes <laughs> yes, um, yes. Here's the, I'll, we do I'll our research, Paul. Don't worry. I also <laughs> I also read you saying you're like I shoot a musical scene for every film and every time it gets cut and I'm <laughs> one day I'm just gonna keep it in. No, keep it's going. Time. We need that. Please never it. stop. Oh my God! No, what happened was I mean I probably said it on on the DVD, but but um you know I. In the script, it just made perfect sense of like, oh yeah, he's misunderstood and they both got trapped by this, you know, mm -hmm. by Emily. And so now we'll have this happy ending. And we put it on there and people were like, no way. Like, <laughs> not want her with him. Forget it. <laughs> he's yeah. And, and then- I'm with, the, I'm with them. I mean, in my ideal, in my ideal twisted world, like, yeah, she does end up with Emily and they abscond to somewhere else with their children. Like, yeah, yeah I was- sequel. We'll yeah, as we as we have discussed, like we like the emotional thing of like, why didn't Sean go to jail? We have no reason, but like Sean should have probably gone to jail. I just, right? I just feel like someone should have sent him to jail for no reason. <laughs> just try it out. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that was the other the, the other missing scene that's not even on the it's not even on the DVD just because uh, some people didn't want to put it on. Um, <laughs> is that the, the the final scene really was um, months later. Stephanie goes to the prison and she's talking to, to Blake in one of those kind of prisoner visiting areas where she was just playing basketball, which you have, mm -hmm. we have the very end. Yes. And it's basically Stephanie is getting, they have a relationship now where she gets information on, on the inside <laughs> from, yeah, from Emily. And For she her gets, crime blogging? Yeah. Yes. She has this case and she's like, we don't know where, we can't find the knives. And she's like, well, I was just talking to so-and-so, you know, like B, and he actually yes. has the knives under his refrigerator in the garage. She's like, oh, that solves the case. So you go, oh, they're working. Oh my there. God. Yeah. That but then is it, incredible. I love that. The test audiences didn't, they didn't want it. They we want it. it. That's I my headcanon so now. That's yeah. my headcanon yeah. This is all we needed to know about <laughs> what we believe about We're spinning these women. into a whole other place now. <laughs> I'm telling you. Yeah, I wanted them, see, that's, again, I wanted the redemption of them having, yeah. the, you know. Yeah, they have that connection, yeah. She actually brings the kid, you know, her son to, to visit her jail, so. I love friendship. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I believe in the power of the sequel. I think that, you know, 2030, we're going to get this. We're going to get Spy 2 and 4 yeah. and 5. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do want to say, speaking oh, yeah. of knives, we've got to talk about <laughs> Linda Cardellini and the knives. Oh, yes. Because yeah. that is one of the most incredible and uncomfortable but hilarious <laughs> scenes I have ever seen in film her yeah. just saying my thing is knives and meaning it so <laughs> sincerely 
<laughs> how did how did that come to pass? That yeah, yeah. Give us the genesis of the knives. Okay, well, the, the exact genesis of it was we mm -hmm. had that scene where she goes and visits this, you know, this this woman, and uh, you know, and and basically the studio one of their notes was like this scene just doesn't feel dangerous. I was like, okay, yeah, you're right. So I'm like, oh, make this dangerous, and literally almost as a joke, I was like. What if it's just filled with knives? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> then as I was doing this rewrite, I was like, well, she probably just paints knives now because she lost the inspiration. <laughs> and then, I mean, Linda Cardellini, forget her with that knife and just smacking them. Yes. This so is the cool. angle on her we needed. <laughs> well, what I was wondering, like, how much of that was you and Linda crafting the, the arc of this scene? And how much was maybe her just being like, no, I have a good idea of what I'm going to do with it. Like, have what was the... Yeah, what was the dynamic of how that incredible, like, there's such an impression left by Linda Cardellini in about 60 seconds of screen time. She might as well be in half the movie. I tell you, she is a superstar. No, I mean, it was the first time we'd worked together since Freaks and Geeks. Mm -hmm. oh, wow. She's been doing so much stuff and such great work that, you know, we, we had this role and I was like, I so wanted Linda for it, but I was like, I don't know if she'll even do this because I don't think it's big enough. But, you know, sent it to her and she was so lovely. She said, I want to do it. And she came in and we had dinner the night before and we're just talking about it. And then when we got to the set, it was, it really kind of, we found it on the set because okay. we went through a few different incarnations of like how kind of disturbed is she, how <laughs> yeah. not. And, and it all moved towards this thing of kind of like being cool, but somebody who's who's just holding it together. Mm -hmm. So that's why the thing of her like taking the drinks was such a big deal. <laughs> yeah. And the knife and how she got so spooky with the knife, you know. <laughs> that just made it really, really fun. So, but yeah, it, it, took, it took us a number of, of takes to, for both of us to figure out exactly mm -hmm. the best mm -hmm. way to play that. And then yeah. I remember when suddenly she snapped into that, it's just like, oh my God, this is it. And I was just leaning forward and then she <laughs> going up with that knife in Anna's face and all that, you know, it was, I love that kind of, I love the character who you're like, what, it, are they going to kill me? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, like, how insane is this person? And you kind of go like, well, maybe she's not, but maybe she is. Yeah. And that's like a line at the end, you know, she's not a normal person like you or me. It's like, my favorite character. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, taking off of that, I wonder, like, what, like, the idea of how insane is, like, X going to get? One of my, you know, M. Night Shyamalan is, is often aligned as, like, the king of the twist, but I think you really give the man a run for his money because <laughs> there is, my, one of my favorite things about just your work generally is your introduction of the absurdist escalation. Mm. where we have like obviously you have the shitting in the street in bridesmaids Classic. you have the Classic. tracheotomy in the heat where suddenly we just zag and in you you know there are so many points in spy as, as every Christina bit of spy whoa what did i tell you about talking to me nothing you just said nothing about talking you know what you want me to have cagney and fucking lacy explain it to you cagney's coming down your fucking throat lacy she's gonna come up your ass i'm gonna meet him in the fucking middle and play your heart like a fucking accordion i'm gonna pump that shit until it pops, you Swedish bitch. Yeah, like the, Every the, 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 the Hungarian, the Bulgarian clown in you. Like, you find the Bulgarian clown in you. That man yeah. doesn't deserve a throat. All of it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And in this, like, I forgot after until I 
started watching this movie a couple times recently again for this podcast, how early the brother fucker scene comes in. <laughs> like in my head, it's like a late second, third act thing where we're like, no, but it is a tone setting event. And I wanted to hear from you about just like taking the guardrails off of those like absurdist twists and how like, what's like when it feels right? Like how do you, how, like when do you decide like, all right, I'm going to drop it in here. Like where does, where is that coming from? Well, I mean, my favorite thing is subverting a character, you know, and I try to do it all the time where, you, you know, you, inter you introduce somebody very almost stereotyped, you know, mm -hmm. so, you go like, so the audience goes like, all right, I know who that is. That's the nerd. That's mm -hmm. the bad girl, mm -hmm. this and that. And then you put in something that, that just shifts your whole, your whole kind of view of the person. You're like, wait, what? Because that's yeah. how every single person I've met in life, if you get into some talk with them, especially if there's booze involved, some <laughs> story will come out and you're just like, what? Like, I thought you were some like, meek little person and then suddenly, oh my God. So, um, so yeah, so, you know, we spent so much time making Anna seem like this little innocent kind of like, oh, I'm afraid yeah. of everything. That the idea, you know, I knew I, we needed to have to break that to mm -hmm. Emily before Emily disappeared. Yeah, and yeah, so, yeah. You know, so that's why we had to hit it there. But but it felt like the perfect place because it's right when you're kind of almost going like, all right, Stephanie, come on, how, how big of a nerd are you? Just yeah. then we are Emily going like, oh my god. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which, I mean, how funny is Blake? That I, <laughs> you listen to that, they get so noisy because she said that so far that. God. But I was like, crank it up. So we were cranking that <laughs> way up because I don't like the ADR. And oh my God, so funny. Oh. I would, I would absolutely watch a, a however many minutes long it is take of all of the alternative versions of the brother fucker scene of just watching <laughs> those two arrive at their conclusion. And I, like, I feel like such a, one of my favorite moments in, in any movie, I feel like, is when suddenly, like, Anna's losing the plot and Blake's like, I can't be too drunk in my house not to finish the story. What happened? Uh, yeah. Uh, like in that moment, it just dissolves into a movie and it becomes us just watching two people mm -hmm. in this, in the height of exposing their darkest secrets and being hilarious and kind of drunk. I feel like yeah. it does Do that. You want to stay for dinner? It does set the like anything is, can happen in this movie. Anything yeah. will happen because somebody yeah. has already fucked their brother. Yeah. <laughs> yeah right. Like, Nothing else will surprise you. And yet, <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, that scene was. Well, there's a few things to it. It was a little overwritten in certain areas mm. when we in the script. Sure. Because you always do that, you know, I always call it like there's the reading draft and then there's the actual draft that you make. And mm. a lot of times the reading draft is like, you know, questions come to the studio. Well, what about this? And why do they do this? And so you put all this into the dialogue, knowing that a look between two people will explain that. And then I always kind of make it very modular. So my editor and I can just like, let's pull that out, pull it out. We don't need it now. Mm. But if people are, if the test audience is going like, we don't understand, then you put it back in. And so there was a lot of that, but then also, Anna was very much, she wanted to have more of an explanation about why she was close with her father, you know, why mm -hmm, she was yeah. close. And it was so based, <laughs> she really wanted to make sure it was heavily based on the relationship, the lost relationship with her father. Okay. And so some of that stuff that she's, you know, talking about, you know, as she's winding up to it about like, she was the only person who ever really, you know, knew me and my father. Yeah. That was a lot of Anna, it pitched mm -hmm. a lot of that stuff. Oh, okay. Came up with that stuff. And it was even stuff we were, when we were on the set, she was adding things in um, to make it more, 
more real to her. And, and mm -hmm. I, that's my catnip. If somebody's like, oh, I, I need this. Like, if you know what yeah. to do, please do it. My dad was, my dad was really the person who understood me. And he was gone, so. I was alone, alone for the first time. But he sees me, you know? Like, he really sees me. And so yeah. it, just, it elevated her so high. But I remember that was such a fun day of shooting because we were, all of us were just leaning in every single take because they were so connected and so surprising each other and playing off each other. Again, when you cross shoot, I'm telling you, actors come to life more than I they love that. do normally because they okay. know everything's getting captured. Yeah. And they are so in the moment. And it's, uh, you know, and all that fun stuff came from that. I'm obsessed with the backstory stuff coming from Anna because that it does ground the character in a way, but it also makes her that much more deranged because the reason she slept with her brother is because he looked exactly like her father. Yeah, like well, you have to understand, he looked like my dad. See? Oh, I had to, I had to fuck him immediately. You're so right. There's, kind There's of nothing better. Nothing better. Choice. I know. There's nothing better than some, what somebody thinks is a logical explanation that is more insane than the thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I love that because that's how we all yeah. things. And yeah. again, that all becomes part of extreme characters. You know, I think that's one of the most kind of regular things I have in my movies are just everybody's very extreme <laughs> in some part of their personality. Because that much more fun we're, than that. We're all out of our minds. So, <laughs> in some way, in some way, we're all a little bit out of our minds. I'm ready to party with the best of them. And I'm gonna go down to the river. <laughs> It does, it does remind me of the uh, of the scene in Spy where Rose Byrne is like, I'm going to take you around because you remind me of my mother who just is atrocious looking. <laughs> <laughs> <She's> <laughs> <like an> absolute <laughs> That scene on the plane in that, that, the scene between them on the plane in that movie, I was inconsolable the first time I watched that. That was, that was, oh, I was laughing so hard when we shot that too. And just, I can't imagine, yeah, I can't, that's one of those things where you're like, how, like, how did this get made in the sense of how did anybody survive to make this <laughs> like in the process, yeah, yeah, in the process of doing it? Well, my favorite moment of that was just building, and it's so, it's so politically incorrect that he uses the <laughs> R word and that thing, but we were building towards it because it's just like, the original line was just like, oh, what a stupid story, and it's yeah. like, <laughs> every take, I would go, try adding this word as a fucking story. And then it, it got to that thing, and she did it so, and I remember just walking off the set so politically incorrectly celebrating the funniest line I've ever heard an actor play. She's a villain, and it's even just like, I don't know, my, one of my favorite lines of the movie is like, The moment I saw you standing there in that abortion of a dress, it's as if to say, this is what I've got, world, it's hideous, but it's mine. It's just like it, it throws you in a different direction where you're just like spinning out with the joke. And it does feel like, like it does feel like watching uh, Spy, I had this moment of just like feeling the revelation of Rose Byrne of like, oh, oh my God, wow. this woman can do anything. She came from damages anything. and now she's doing this. And it feels, and we had that moment again with this movie yeah. where it really felt like, you know, we've watched Blake Lively and Anna Kendrick, but like especially Blake in this like, through the years like play a certain type of like like serena vanderwoods and very often very like desired character and mm -hmm. this 
movie seemed to take that and like use that but also like twist it and like really like launch it into space like that a scene where she's confronting sean in the cafe like watch her face some of the faces she pulls in that of like when she like pulls the trigger it's like oh my god this woman as a villain is so electrifying Uh that was honestly that was her very first day the very first thing i shot with with the flashback on the airplane so wow. I was just like, oh my God. But then when we got to that scene, that, you know, that's really the only like extended scene, first extended scene they had done together. And I was just like, we were all just like, our minds were blown because we knew Blake was going to be good, but we didn't know she was going to bring that level of villainy to it. Mm, yeah. But I, like, I feel like we're, 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 we're Blake fans here. And like, I feel like she, she's one of those actresses who like, until a movie like this, I feel like there's a, there's a presumption that there is a range that people haven't seen previously because they, they think it's not there, but it's just because they haven't seen the thing that taps into it yet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to, I, I, you know, coming off of what you're saying just now, there seems to be such an apparent weaponization and awareness of the narrative around Blake as a star presence. And I don't know if that's like her self-awareness coming in or yours or your guys' working together to be like, well, you know what people think of, think, talk about me and the head, you know what the headline version is of me? Do you know what the sort of persona is of me? Well, let's play with that specifically because it really does like hold up a photo of Blake Lively and just like run through it with (laughs) knives while like not breaking eye contact. Yeah. It reminds me of um, Allison Williams and Get Out. It's that same kind of use of this like terrifying womanhood that she possesses and like being like, yeah, we're going to play with that a little bit. Yeah. Well, and because that's that's my favorite favorite thing to do, and I you know I did it with you know uh, Statham and I did it with with Chris Hemsworth. I like and even I mean well not really Sandra, but to, to some extent kind of. But I like taking somebody that people go, we know like you're saying, people know exactly we know exactly who you are. Yeah. And go, you don't know, <laughs> you know, and flip <laughs> it because. I don't even audition people at that level, especially, but I, I say like, can I just have like a meal with you or something? Cause I just want to, I want to see who you really are. Cause the minute I see who somebody really is, then it's like, I, I have to do everything in my power to put mm. that on the screen. Cause it's nothing like I thought you were going to be, you right. know? So, so the, you know, Blake was a, a natural extension of that. Like I'd said earlier, even to me when I was like, wait, really? Can she even play this to sit down with her and have, her surprised me so much that she wanted to do this. I'm like, I want the entire world to have the experience I just had sitting with Blake Lively going like, holy shit, you're really cool. <laughs> Mission it makes accomplished. Me be, yeah, it makes me want to be at a dinner with Blake Lively and be afraid the whole time. <laughs> you're like, wow. It's like she holds us hostage in like a <laughs> murder mystery situation. Like knives out, but with Blake Lively. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and the irony is that Blake is, possibly the sweetest person you've ever met. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anna is the salty one. You know? right, yeah. Anna's yeah. got a really funny, like, really R-rated sense mm-hmm. of humor, and Blake's very like, oh, I never swear, and all this stuff. So I think the, yeah. the monster comes out. <laughs> it does feel like the movie plays well with that, too, in that, you know, you do start with the kind of, I feel like you also really play with the Anna of it, of, like, mm-hmm. the perception of her, mm-hmm. the, like, more nerdy kind of, and then it, it, but she does match with with Emily in this way of they both have this kind of dangerous element to them. They both have this yeah. like zaniness that this like edge that she's always been 
like trying to get out. I think that you have to have that in order to fuck your brother. But this is where she really learns to express herself. It feels like a nice coming of age character study. Totally. But I like how she can justify it because it's my half brother. It's my half brother. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. Saying that. It's like somehow in her head, I was like, well, that's okay. Totally fine. Well, and, and something I wanted to, like, I've been thinking about the, like, uh, um, Anna bringing, or Alana bringing up the femme fatales earlier, and, and us talking about genre, and I am, I am, between the three of us, I am the, the, the real horror fan, um, I, uh, sort of my area of specialization, and talking about the blend of genres in this film, and you, like, you know, reading multiple interviews where you discuss, like, genre is sort of my favorite space to work in, and, you know, when this came out, and there was sort of that dissonance with people, like, Paul Feig is directing a drama, like, what did you say? Because <laughs> Because filmmakers have to live in the boxes that we put them in under our bed and they can't ever change or be different. But um, so with something like this where you have the, you have, you know, you love thrillers, you're going to make your own. And I saw a quote where you talked about, you know, you, the great thing about sort of working in the modern era is we get to take everything that came before and like pick out the things we like best and kind of leave the things behind that we don't really want to deal with anymore. Like maybe the more regressive things or like that didn't age well since 1962. So I wanted to know like with a thriller in your hands and being like, well, this isn't how my brain works to write it, but now I'm going to execute on this. What were some of those things from this beloved suspense side of film that you wanted to, to bring to, to like take out and things that you wanted to emphatically bring in to your sort of update on a treatment like this on a noir mystery yeah i mean i wanted to bring the fun back to them because i yeah. like the hitchcock movies and they were always very funny they all that like side characters were funny but even like the yeah. lead characters had a lot there's a lot of they weren't he wasn't afraid of comedy mm-hmm. and so many of the thrillers i watch now seem to be very like they're afraid to be funny because they think they're going to make fun of themselves i don't quite understand yeah. why but you know I, so I wanted to bring that fun that come fun that comes out of extreme danger. Yeah, you know what I mean? yeah. The line between you know comedy and and, and scares. You know the the, the big. It's just a tilt of perspective. Well, that's the thing. The biggest lesson or moment I had was when we did the heat, and in that scene where with the knife in the leg. Would you mind holding this for me? My my hands are tied, but I can. Oh, okay. Let me help you. Jesus. Thanks. Hearing the audience like screaming, like horrified, but then bursting in a laughter, laughter because of it. Then you're like, I was just like hooked. I was like, I want more of that. I want mm-hmm. to get two huge emotions at the same time out of me. Yeah. You, know, you crush and- that in the dress in the closet scene in a simple favor, which yeah. as Christina- like, We have talked about multiple gets times. Gets her every time. Is- <laughs> I'm scared of it every time. It's very scary that she did that. I don't like it. I don't think it was very kind. It's a scary thing. <laughs> How did she do it? I mean, it's, it's one of the yeah. greatest- So many, so many bags. <laughs> that must have taken her like lots of work like did she hire like a task rabbit to like so many put this back rabbits. or did she sneak back in it's <laughs> the only thing that emily's good at <laughs> arranging a closet no i think that's i i i i'm i'm glad i'm i'm glad to be talking to you for many reasons but the the indulgent part of me where who wants to talk about horror movies all the time yeah. um i i really I'm, it's always fun to see somebody taking the discipline that they're really good at and kind of forcing audiences to reconcile with the fact that like, you think these two things are very different from one Mm -hmm. another or that one aligns so specifically with your tastes that something that seems like it's inverse couldn't possibly, but structurally thrills and comedy 
are so similar. It's a buildup. It's an execution of a joke. It's catharsis. And then it's a rebuild up to the next thing. So like, you're very well suited, Paul, to make a horror movie. And I look forward Uh to that. Well suited. (laughs) Well suited. Always well suited. (laughs) Well, I got my monster movie over Universal. I don't know if it's ever going to get made, but I'm so excited about that genre. So, you know, fingers, I don't know. It's probably not going to happen for a while because I think think it was more, it looked more expensive than they wanted it to be. (laughs) But but it's one of my favorite things. Start a GoFundMe. We can get a few more bucks. <laughs> you can do that, yeah. exactly. No, but but I, you're you're completely right. It's about you know comedy and thrillers are about subversion of of you know expectation and about mm-hmm. contrast and about surprise. You know, I, I mean, it's you know, I liked your your question about sort of what I wanted to to keep and, and leave from yeah. the genre. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the big things I wanted to not have is the victimization of, of, of women. Because I feel yeah. like that was a thing, even if the woman's the lead, she's like terrorized the whole time and then she kind of springs We talked back. about that in our genre episode, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I like about this is, you know, Anna's definitely got a, a, a period where she's kind of like being tormented a bit, but she gets through it pretty quickly. She figures it out mm-hmm. pretty quickly and m- makes this decision of like, I'm not gonna fall for this. You know, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. gonna go after her. And, uh, you know, I, I really like that about it. You know, th- that was in the original script anyway, uh, mm-hmm. but then for us to then take it and really run with it and, 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 you know, get rid of that kind of, you know, look, those Ashley Judd movies are really fun, but it, it was always felt like, all right, mm-hmm. kind of like torture porn a little bit. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we talked about how, uh, we talked about Gone Girl, which like, is a, a movie and a book that I love, but it is like, you either have the woman as entirely the villain or entirely the victim, mm-hmm. and this yeah. played with them being kind of both and neither, <laughs> so yeah. it's, it's yeah. of just yeah. like, of actually giving both of them agency and drive and justification, and it's not just like, it's not just the thrill of it, but it hel- I think it helps make the thrill even more so because you actually care about these people in, a, in like a different way. Yeah, like I didn't want to do fatal attraction, you know? Yeah. Right. I, I wanted them at the end to be equals. I mean, that's it's the same way I end a, a spy, you know? They're, <laughs> even though somebody's going to jail, there's this yeah. respect between the two of them. You know, again, that's why I was kind of sad to lose that scene in the, in the, in the prison afterwards because that's a total, mm-hmm. you know, kind of reconciliation. But as again, are we now, as are we now collectively <laughs> sad. You know what it was? <laughs> it was like a lot of people in the audience and a lot of women in the audience they just wanted Anna to 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 you know mm. be the hero to persevere and not be dependent and I and I completely understood that I get it I get it. Say we all want to get rid of our high school bully in some way I understand yeah. <laughs> we're all working or or our or our toxic ex-girlfriend like you know? yeah both which yeah I feel like they really encapsulates both I feel like yeah one of my favorite scenes is that uh climax of them of the like tete-a-tete like they are equals in this and even just like and I guess we can like kind of segue into talking about the costumes a bit like just even just like she shows up in this outfit that feels like Betty Draper meets uh Stephanie and it's one of my favorite outfits of all time Mm -hmm. just because it is just like she does the usual like the a-line skirt but she like adds all that tool underneath and makes sure we see her red heel red bottoms yeah. well, the irony and, is that's almost the exact same dress that that stephanie's wearing when they have the yes flash yes and yes we, t- we, we uh, and shout out to samantha hung who designed those dresses. um <laughs> oh yes but, but you know, blake was that was really blake's thing she goes she was like i want to be wearing one of stephanie's outfits in that last scene brilliant and, okay 
but you know the irony is you know Blake's about three feet taller than Anna so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the poetic license going up. Sure, sure. That's the magic of cinema right there. Exactly. Well, let me let me ask you guys a question because you yes, know, I, please turn let the this table. be a conversation. If you look at all the reviews, you know we did really well with the reviews, and yet one of the most consistent things I got hammered for was that people were like the ending's too crazy, like the third act is too crazy, no, and no, I was no. like, why? You, I don't know how else to end this movie because the original, you know, the original script kind of ended with Blake Emily actually kind of falls for the the false shooting. You know, and um, and when I came on, I remember talking to Sharza going like, I think we got need to take this to another, we've got to go one or two steps past this. And then yeah. we came the idea of the whole, you know, the thing and the, the, the camera and all that, and then the getting hit by the car. But- Your knees. You know, yeah, <laughs> the knees I is my favorite thing. Yeah, that's, that, that, is, so that speaks to Anna specifically. But that's the thing, if the movie, this movie is nuts, so you've got to end it crazy, and yet yeah. I still believe it, you know, it's, it was a yeah. pretty, you don't hear it coming. So. No, I, I love this movie's ending so much. It does feel like, because I think you're right, like with what you were saying about reading it for the first time, you think, in like the midpoint like okay we're out of movie now yeah. no the movie's just getting started <laughs> yep. and it does feel like it really does feel like these two women like going head to head they're like fully equals now and also like what's happening and also andrew <laughs> Rannells is there and she's crawling and it's just like I, I, th that third act is part of why like the first time i watched it like i missed it in theaters but i watched it the second it hit hit uh uh my tv and i like the second that i finished watching it i just i started over again and that was part of why is like i just like i was just like so wrapped up and so much happened but in a way that really thrilled me yeah, yeah. so i love the ending so much it's one of my favorite i just rewatched the ending yesterday and, i like, loved the, it the knees part i like <laughs> i lose my mind at the knees so part funny. every single time <laughs> that, <laughs> Best thing honestly, ever. that's that that's both of them. I mean, first of all, Blake's whole thing. Originally, Emily gets hit. She's just on the ground, and they go pick her up. And Blake is like, she wouldn't stop. She. Oh no, yeah. And that's my favorite. Just watching her crawling away, <laughs> and then that's all Anna just kind of like ad libbing that stuff of like, like oh, <laughs> your knees. The only, line we added, the only line we added later was, um, Emily, you've just been hit by a car. <laughs> <laughs> really makes. She me has, and, and she has. Now. Sweetie, stop. You've just been hit by a car. Don't, don't do this. I'm getting worried about your knees right now. I was just gonna say it's perfect, like going from that to like her just doming everybody in prison. It's yeah. just yeah. like the perfect Of course, like that's exactly what she, she's a phoenix <laughs> who rises from her own ashes constantly. Yeah. Of course that's what she does. <laughs> well, I, well, that, I, 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 oh, I'm sorry. Uh, no, just, no, no. To put a, a pin on, on that, the, going back to why we lost those scenes, you know, we. When I did the first test screening of the movie, the movie was playing like gangbusters the whole way through. And then when we got to those last two scenes, mm. you know, it, for some reason, I didn't, I didn't realize it didn't, it, people weren't into it. I was just kind of watching going, oh. So we walked out going like, oh my God, we're gonna get the highest score we've ever seen, you know, on, on a movie. Right. And the scores came back and they were like in the toilet. And I was like, oh, what I mean... go into it? <laughs> <laughs> you know what happened? The next screening, I took those two scenes off and I added that, the, the you know, what happened to everybody, the scores went through the roof. Terrible thing of like, oh, well, okay. We tried. I do I love... I have two I have two things I need to say about the ending, which is one, the ending is perfectly logical given the consistent escalation yes. of the twist throughout the movie. It is a it is a reasonable end cap to the persistent like stair step up that we are taking. Like at one point, 
Emily fully throws a wrench in the air to catch it with her face to sell an injury. And that comes after the brother fucking and after the reveal of triplets, like, and a, and a home being burned down with, like, family inside of it. And Jean Smart drinking sherry by herself. Yes. Jean Smart drinking sherry. Linda Cardellini and her knives. And, like, Anna rapping in the car to herself. Like, there is, if you took your foot off the gas in that ending, it'd be like, wait, why did we pull back? Why yeah. did we pull back That's- just now? So first of all, there's that. And second of all, I am a maximalist. And I (laughs) love A24 movies, but they have definitely created this culture around genre that everything needs to be whispered and dark to be good. And I'm like bigger, louder, bisexual lighting, women in suits, (laughs) queers making out, like circus in the background, 50-piece band playing a samba, like put it all in there. Because this is our imaginations. Like, this is where we get to go out of our fucking minds. So, like, the fact that, like, yes, it was, no, keep crawling, you know, Emily. Keep goading her through it. (laughs) Stephanie, I absolutely, there's this notion, like, that I think it's part of what keeps genre films out of the Academy Awards is that they go too big or they're too loud or they're too gauche. When, like, to be able to dance the line and and successfully pull off such a tone t- such a tone amalgamation as a movie like this and do it deftly is so is equally as difficult and so equally as artful as the most like serious and reserved film where one person doesn't speak and plays the piano the entire time like <laughs> they are yes. separate but they are equal and Preach they deserve Preach it. I'm I'm with you on that. <laughs> I can't wait I'm personally. So I can't wait for Jordan's bisexual circus film. That's gonna be. <laughs> real journey that we're all gonna get to go on can i be a pa on that it's gonna be it's gonna be it's gonna be climax but less nihilism and more joy so sounds good to me yeah well i mean that was a thing you know a lot of people on even on my team were very worried about us doing the the kiss scene um Mm -hmm. because there was a fear that was going to be exploitative and i was nervous about it too but in my head i just kept saying everybody said like this is not an exploitative scene. This is about a person who is so desperate for love and mm-hmm. so desperate for validation that she's looking for it anywhere. And here's this sympathetic person. So even though that scene can be looked at as kind of, I don't I mean, whatever, lurid, I don't know. No, I, no. Every time I watch it, my heart swells <laughs> because I go, I just yeah. feel so, I have such love for, for Stephanie. And mm-hmm. I also love Emily that she's, letting this happen and then my favorite line is like hey you want to order a pizza you know like (laughs) it means nothing you know (laughs) yeah i think all all three of us we've talked about how like much stephanie resonated for us in this movie and how much like the queerness in this movie did resonate of just like i feel like i don't know i feel like it is a right as a rite of passage as a queer woman to have this specific type of crush (laughs) where it is like this person you're like do I want to be you do I want to be with you I don't know are you good for me definitely not like very like she's and she's like the high school version of dresses like <laughs> like Emily does and <laughs> and it's this caring scene of her being like she is like really actually caring for Stephanie in this moment like she is feeling for her and like she is giving her what like it's so genuine from both of them mm-hmm. yeah you know and to me the key to that scene was the line I'm lonely I think loneliness probably kills more people that I, I that just it still kind of destroys me. First of all, because Anna's so good in her yeah. Yeah. Oh my god, her with just the, the, the red face and, and everything. Oh god, yeah. 
And so I just, yeah, I just feel like you're so ready for that moment to happen. Uh, so I was glad we pulled it off, but I, I was always nervous, you know, being being somebody who always wants to, you know, make sure that I, I give the best portrayals of women on the screen. I, I never wanted to be like, oh, the, like the gross middle-aged guys. <laughs> no, I think when I, that scene is the reason that like so many, like this movie is a big movie for a lot of the queer women that I know, because it did feel yeah. like it took mm -hmm. the tropes of, like it, the psychosexual tension between women is such a massive thing in, in thrillers, but it's almost, if it's textualized, it it is in the uh like to titillate way and that's yeah. not what this felt like it felt like it was it just or the queer natural. monstrosity kind of way where the queerness yeah. is a part of some sort of malady or some right. kind yeah. of some mm -hmm. kind of gateway to to terror or badness and this yeah. didn't this did not do that this was like you you watched this and it's it is watching um because you know anna's so good at the little business and blake is giving a tour de force performance in this but it is such a testament to, to blake's performance in this movie that moment where you see her softening and she truly is maskless in front of stephanie for the first time and she does what she instinctually as this emily as this femme fatale knows to do to comfort and care in somebody who is sexually fluid herself and and comforts her so tangibly and and completely in that way and then like it also too when she immediately snaps into like that let's order pizza that's kind of like you know, if you're like a young queer person and you're experimenting, you're unsure, like to have that alpha person who sort of you're in the hands of immediately cut the tension and be like, you're okay. You wanna order pizza? <sighs> oh God, God, I'm so embarrassed. Oh, cause of that? No, hey, it's all good, baby. It's all good, just another Tuesday. Oh, no, no, no. Baby, it's just a Tuesday. Like, you want to order pizza? <laughs> That's cool. Like, yeah. that was so tender and that was so empathetic in that moment. And we so rarely, as Alana said, it is so it is so frequently, you know, viewed through the male gaze, you know, women connecting with women, women having sex with women on screen. And yeah. we are so often baited with the maybe they're going to connect in this way. Maybe yeah. they're going to mean that to each other, but they never do. So then we spend all of our time headcanning, headcanning and like people writing fic online. And this actually gave us a canonically queer moment in this movie. And I hope you know that that is so important and not only rare generally, but rare for somebody who is not of like, the queer female community to handle it right. So thank you for that. Yeah, oh, and here I, we are doing this podcast. I, so. You made my day, no, I, I really appreciate it. Yeah, because you know, I, I and it's, it's some reviewers kind of got it wrong and they were kind of like, oh, another, you know, portrayal of, and, mm -hmm. and I was just like, no, it, it's, 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 it's really about a connection. It, it, it makes their friendship deeper, but it's not mm -hmm. about yeah. like, taking revenge because you, you know, screw me. So yeah, so yeah. I'm, I'm just glad to hear that. It's just a very, very long way for me to say like, thank you. <laughs> I also love just like where it comes in the movie. It's like, it's yeah. like this, she already knows what this woman is due. It has done like a lot of bad shit, but she's missing her in that moment. Like she's looking back at like, mm -hmm. they had something real and she misses her friend. Like, and yeah. it goes to the end, that climactic end scene where they do take a break from all of the villain monologuing to be like, but okay, we, but we actually are like friends though, right? Like, no, I, I really <laughs> never had a good friend. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, like I was able to, I've been, I was, I've been able to interview uh, Karin Kusama about Jennifer's body and I've read interviews with Diablo Cody talking about this as well. Like the, the kiss is such a, like in 2009 was a different time and I could get into that movie, but I won't right now. But 
the fact that the fact that that kiss between Megan Fox and Amanda Seyfried is sexy is also intentional. It is okay to make those moments both tender and empathetic and sexy. It is okay to relate to these things emotionally and feel turned on. Like it does not have to be clinical or some like after school special level of like basic cable censorship style in the 1990s. It can also just look really hot and also accomplish the things that it needs to do internally in in your heart and your mind and still be good. So the fact that this kiss like is also really hot is like great i got i got to have everything for a second i got to have everything for a second yeah. i was personally thrilled yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's, oh sorry go ahead oh no you can go ahead no i was just saying it's really worth you know i know you've seen the movie a bunch um <laughs> yes studying that because it was it was it was hard to direct that because you know again i was so like oh i don't want to be the gross guy who's just like come on ladies you know but i think we did three takes and it was really on the third take i was like this has to, there's so many mechanics that needs to be happening to this. Like, yeah. like the <clears throat> Stephanie kind of gives over to it. Emily's kind of like, what? And then yeah. she goes, sure, I'm going to go for this. And I'm just, I love how it, we have that side check. You see Anna's leans in, Blake mm-hmm. kind of leans back a bit, mm-hmm. but then she goes in and then, then Anna goes in more. And then mm-hmm. Anna's the one that suddenly kind of yeah. like realizes yeah. what she is, even though she gets lost in it. I think it's yeah. just, I think it's this, those two actors are so good in that moment with no dialogue and just this pure moment of connection. It really, mm-hmm. it always, every time I watch it, I just get so happy that it worked so well. It did work so well. well I think that's part of why we're here is we yeah. all felt seen, we all did feel seen in this movie. Yeah. And I feel like it's part of what does, like I had so many like exciting texts, like, oh my God, a simple favor's coming out. Like all, like, all of that, I just all of it was just so, like engrossing in a really fun way. Thanks. I think it's a crucial sartorial moment in the movie too, because mm-hmm. as we discussed in our costumes episode, it's the most masculine look mm. that that Emily has the entire time. While it is like that, the, I think that's the the dress that she's. Is that when she's wearing the dress that Blake recreates in the end? Yeah, that's when Anna's yes. wearing. Yeah, yeah she's yeah. looking her most housewife in her most little prim dress, mm-hmm. and yeah. to have that opposite, like the very masculine suit of of Emily and her her very yeah. alpha energy in complement to her, it was like, oh wow, I'm getting a whole visual story that's completely working with this. Yeah, we like the idea that it was almost like a 1950s moment of the husbands come home yes. from work, you know, yeah. hi, and then there's the housewife. <laughs> yeah, so I'm glad you picked up on that because it was just. It, it's this weird little kind of bucolic scene that we don't know yeah. when it happened. Yeah. It just happened somewhere between, you know, mm-hmm. before uh, she disappeared. So, um, no, it was, uh, you know, and, and again, you've done, you've done all the costume thing, but I mean, shout out to Renee Kalpas. Who yeah. Was, oh. yes. Who we are, who we are trying to secure for an episode of her own. So, so yes. If, I, if I I will, I will deliver her to you. <laughs> she is so wonderful. And she, I mean, she loves talking about it. And, you know, she's so inventive. And um, Yeah, we'll, we'll totally take your simple favor, Connects. I think you're the guy to see. So that seems good. <laughs> Word on the street says you might know a few people on, on the inside. <laughs> well, before, before we lose you, I, you did show us that you did bring the cane to this Zoom. So yes. I think we have to talk about the graveyard scene. There is a skull and, cane in this oh. Chili's tonight, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and the there uh, uh, we read a bit about I think it was in the, the Vanity Fair interview with Renee where she talked about Blake ending up with that cane because Blake was like I want to use your cane yeah and that 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 was a bit of a process where there was yeah a, there there's had cane to, school 
Yeah, yeah. there's Kane school. Yeah. What's Kane school like, Paul? How do you, yeah, how, how do you pick us through the I'm steps of Kane's? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm a weird, I, I have all these weird affectations, and, and one of them is <laughs> yeah. weird. I use a walking stick when I, when I um, direct. I don't know. It just, I like them. So that's a way. directing specific move for you. That's for directing. Well, it's the only time I feel like I can kind of get away with it. I, I'll oh, turn no. out on the street, I will, but yeah. with that, you kind of, I don't know, I can justify, well, I'm pointing I things like out. It. It's just a weird thing. I, I don't know. <laughs> Very weird. Um, and so, yeah, when we were doing that that scene, I had it, and I remember Blake just going like, she goes, I want to use your, your walking stick. And I was like, oh, I don't know. First of all, I was like, is it going to be too weird? And then I was like, also, there's... I've seen so many people walk poorly with walking sticks. There's a sure. very strange hey. way you use them all the time. It's, you know, it's a swagger when you got to, <laughs> you know, so I'm like, well, I don't know, Blake. She goes, well, show me how. And it's like, well, <laughs> and I'm like it's really hard, Blake. You got to practice for you. Yeah. <laughs> showed her and she immediately does it better than I do. So I'm like, if you want to, I was like, if you want to deal with it during the scene and you don't feel hung up by it, please use it. And now I'm just like, thank God. Thank God. Mm, it's perfect. <laughs> It just that outfit so crazy, and then you know, and then we then went long on that outfit. Don't you worry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how long we talked about it, but it was it, it was, was either thirty hours or twenty five years. I couldn't tell you. <laughs> yeah, and it was very it was very much a like. All right, are we ready to like? We had to get everything out of the way to, to build like, to the graveyard. And now, that's. I don't I've never bought myself a suit before but like this movie has guaranteed that like when I sell my first like TV show or movie is mm -hmm. the moment that I am going to like splurge on like exactly that suit I'm going to bring yeah, pictures of that and be like give me this tailor it perfectly to me I know uh, you can't do vintage Ralph right. Lauren but this is what I want <laughs> no when we see the headline on Twitter about the Ralph Lauren archival closet having been ransacked <laughs> none of us knew anything of about it, it. none of us knew a thing here. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that I mean that graveyard scene that was that was a tough scene to shoot Okay. A, because it was like nine pages of dialogue for, for those <laughs> two actors. It's wordy. Yeah, it's very wordy. And also, it was raining that day. And so we had this, the, the, we shot two things that day. We shot the, 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 uh, the, the funeral, where they're all around the grave, and then cleared everybody out. And then we did the big scene with, with the two of them. Mm -hmm. And we had to keep waiting for the rain to stop. And we had to run in when the rain wasn't there. You know, and then they had to do these giant long monologues. Mm -hmm. But they just really again they just nailed it and and i was really happy with kind of the way i shot it too because we just had we we shot we shot it a million times too i felt so okay. bad they by the end they were just like are do we have it it's like because i just, yeah. <laughs> just want to be very lyrical and i knew it was gonna be cutting in with all these flashbacks you know and so there's a lot of moving camera there that's stuff. a real feat that scene is a real feat of editing yeah. it seems yeah. like yeah, a lot of juggling in that. You know, I mean, it, it's funny. This this movie, as benign as it seems, I think had the highest scene count of of my well, my DP shoots like Michael Bay movies and in Jurassic World and stuff. He's like, there's more scenes in this movie than anyone ever worked on. Because so many of the scenes are like, you know, she runs out of the house. They, all these little tiny flashbacks. Right. Yeah. yeah. When I watch the movie, there's a point where I go like, I wish I had more of them because there's more things <laughs> I wanted to illustrate. Yeah. Because uh -huh. I love somebody's talking about something and you see it, I think is really kind of interesting. No, that the, the fact that that is fact checking the people talking throughout the movie and it's like our omniscient yeah. eye that I that is yeah. a real highlight of the movie. It's a really satisfying narrative thread to follow of all yeah. of those. Yeah. Like, well, let's just let's watch what the camera has to like. What does the tape have to say about this? <laughs> yeah, let's go to the tape. Can we yeah. go to the tape on that? Exactly. <laughs> I thought she'd do that, you know. When I found her, 
the body in the lake, it was too late. Lie. You drowned her. No, she killed herself. I'm just all that's left of her. No, you're a sister killer. You're a brother fucker. Well, I like taking down, a, you know, an unreliable narrator at <laughs> the very moment they're doing an unreliable narration. So yeah. it's really fun to see, see hear somebody lying and they're, you know, and, and see that they are lying. So, <laughs> you, know, I, you know, in that same regard, I mean, going to the, the drowning of, uh, of, you know, the sister, mm. uh, mm -hmm. I love that scene just because, That's first so of all, I mean, Blake Lively, holy smokes. Blake Lively! Oh Blake's! Blake Lively. It's like, it's like you had to take Blake Lively and you had to turn her into somebody who looked as if she was not like as powerfully like <laughs> yeah. manicured and perfect as Blake Lively is. If Blake Lively lived a terrible life, what would Blake Lively have looked like? Well, she, yeah. she did such a good job embodying it. Mm -hmm. She did such a good job on that that I honestly think it's one of the reasons she didn't get more awards consideration people still come up to me to this day and go like who played her sister like, people <laughs> don't realize is blake really? and, and i said we saw a secret that I, I we didn't want in any press so sure. i think it just kind of bypassed everybody that she had actually done this amazing transformation that's yeah. so rude to blake lively being a good actress <laughs> well she did so great well i mean yeah. it's yeah. truly the highest compliment they don't believe that it's her <laughs> Yeah, no, yeah, watching her watching her slip into submissive mode like that in front of this suddenly more powerful figure in her life is is a wonderful key change. Yeah, yeah. And again, that's all Blake. That, that came from, we did a, a kind of a, I flew up to Vancouver when she was up there with Ryan to kind of read through this, all her scenes. And when we had the flashback scene, she was very much about like, she goes, I, I think I would be subservient to my sister. Because originally it was like, she was just kind of barreled over the sister. And, um, and the minute she started pitching that, I was like, oh my God, that's so great. And even when the, when the, the, like the dailies came in, the studio was even kind of like, wait, why is she being so submissive? I was like, no, this is, this is the only person yeah. she's- mm -hmm. This is the actual person. alpha. Yeah, this, yeah. Is what, this is what trauma does. This is trauma. <laughs> Mm -hmm. yeah. So yeah, I really felt like, yeah, like everybody has that person mm -hmm. and like you could see why she became the person that she did because she finally got out from under that type of person in her life. It's the same journey that Stephanie is taking of like stepping into her own because yeah. she saw that example but then got out from under that example. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm -hmm. You abandoned me. We were supposed to be a team, you and me. Remember? Yeah, I know we were. But, um, I just thought the only chance we had was alone. So, you were right. I'm sorry, kid. You know, and just the idea that, you know, this sister is so far gone that, you know, she's, yeah. she's cooked the minute that she says, what, you can have another kid. It's yeah, like, no, yeah. like, she's gotta go. That's how you process the world. You're like, I understand yep. why you're murdering her now. You have to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. oh, sweetie. <laughs> <laughs> what could you be expected to do? <laughs> well, do you like? I feel like we we've had you for we've had you for a good amount of time, and sure I want like Alana and Christina. Do you have any? We've we've got the man here. Do you? Have I can talk any about buttons? this all day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, can, I, can I do have. Back. Sure, we're getting to our our things we need. I know. Here, I'm looking at the dock. I, we've done a great I job. Do have, I do have a burning question that Alana, comes up every burns, time I watch. Go, go. <laughs> which yeah, is. Please. Did Sean and the TA with Emily actually have that threesome? Yes! <laughs> well, here's the thing. Now, 
one of the, it's in the DVD extras, but you know that TA is actually his niece. Did you know that? I missed this. How the did I miss all of us this? just dramatically so you have back? To force, you have to force <laughs> the DVD extras. But what it was is, here's the thing. This was part of the, after all this was going on, when Stephanie's at home, when she's watching Sean on, on TV, you know, yeah. take court, there's an interview with, with, uh, with that woman saying, you know, I, I, my uncle would never do something like oh. that. Stephanie's like, what? But <laughs> it completely screwed up. It, it made wow. you, it put you, the audience ahead of when, when she came in with the gun. Right, yeah. He, you know, we were kind of like, well, why, why is she, wait, I thought she understood now why she's mad again. So we Right, okay. Like, so, so to me now, it's just like, well, the TA is just, you know, she's a huggy person and he's, you know. Like, <laughs> you know that and <laughs> also, we've already set the stakes of brother fucking in this movie. Yeah, I was going to so, say, yeah. what would Stephanie TA really think about yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, she, it's, it's a, yeah. Like Pedestrian. Yeah, <laughs> pedestrian. Well, here, here's, a, here's my one, there's two Two regrets, no, it's three things I, I, when I watched the movie, I wish I had or wish I had done. Um, one is, and you might not agree, agree with this first one, when she first picks up the phone, you know, after the false, when the guy calls about the condos and she picks it up again, I, I wish I had had her go, hi, husband fucker. Yeah. Then, <laughs> then, then, brother fucker after that. So, yeah. <laughs> I do wish that it happened. Yeah, that would because be funny. The sister yeah. killer, the sister killer brother fucker moment is so good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so I, that's my one. That's my first regret. Okay. Accepted. Regret, yeah. Thank you. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> is in when she's walking away from him in, in the the restaurant after the gun, where she's like, you know, meet me in the bathroom in ten minutes. When she walks around the thing, I just I thought I wanted her to knock twice on the partition before she just reared around the corner. And uh huh. Uh huh. Because she says knock twice, so I thought to do your fun, and she's like knock, knock, mm -hmm. that goes around the corner. So I wish I'd had her do that. I forgot okay. the night. Nothing worse as a director. You get home that night, and you're like, oh no, I meant to. <laughs> it costs hundreds of thousands of dollars to fix it. Exactly. Yeah. One that kills me, and I and I realized that after we got on the setup and we turned around and moved all the equipment, and I literally was gonna. I said to my DP, I said, we got to turn back around. I missed this line. I wanted this moment. Mm -hmm. Like, we're going to run out of daylight. We're not going to finish the scene at all. Is after, after um, when Stephanie's got the gun on, on, on him and she goes, you know, sucking your dick. I, she, I wanted Emily to go, oopsie. Okay. All I have is kind of this, we found this moment where she kind of raises her eyebrow. I was like, if I would give anything. If, like, all, I just wanted her to go like, whoopsie. Just even <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was my in that dress that. holding that drink and just uh whoopsie yeah. <laughs> i support i i yeah, i want I you to know what yeah what you made was was so wonderful but mm -hmm. i accept those regrets i i, I accept those regrets those and now they're here so we regrets. know the intent yeah, yeah. we yeah. know the intent they live here now People they can find the home them. On a simple always hear them and see them. Exactly. <laughs> I, I basically like now when I watch the movie again, I'm just gonna do it out loud. Like yes. she's gonna say that I'm gonna go whoopsie. Like yes. I'm just gonna I'm gonna put that ADR in myself. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. would have been a giant laugh. <laughs> <I'm sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I have we have we reached? Shall we relinquish Paul yeah. feet back to his day, <laughs> you guys? 
I don't think there's anything I need. Yeah, is there anything you need to say to us? Is there anything else you wanted to ask? This is a back and forth. This is a conversation, a meeting of minds and friends. Um, Yeah. Because there's so many little things about the movie, and and, um, I mean, you know, we're the test audience you should have had. I know. know, It would have been a (laughs) nine-hour movie if we were the test audience. (laughs) Seriously. I mean, you know, it, it, it was just. You know, the road to getting this movie, this movie almost didn't happen a million times um, because, you know, Fox 2000 was the one that had it and sent mm-hmm. it to me and I was going to do it for them. But then they pulled out nine weeks before we were going into production. Oh, um, oh damn. And we had a very short window on Anna because she had another movie right after us. And so we didn't get it made, start up in that night. At, at the end of that nine weeks, we weren't going to be able to make it. Oh. And I tried to sell it all over town and get it reset up. And everybody was afraid of it because they all said it was a mixed genre movie. And all these mm. studios say, like, we can't do mixed genre. And it's like, I don't know what that means. Your entire I, filmography is mixed genre. Exactly. <laughs> like, we can't tell it. stories. We're afraid of stories. Know, exactly. It's going to be all comedy. It's like, yeah. no. <laughs> um, but then it was, it was Lionsgate who, who sw- I mean, I was literally sitting in my, the diner that I have breakfast in every day just sitting there like my movie's dead i was so upset because we had everything was going so great and i got a call um from my my producing partner and she's like Lionsgate is going to come in and save us and um i you know so i will always be indebted to Lionsgate. yes yeah shout out to Lionsgate the water yeah (laughs) yeah they're really not afraid of they're not afraid of a tonal challenge at Lionsgate. (laughs) they are up for it all you know another shout out i have to give is to um Tim Palin, who headed up our, our marketing campaign. And he actually oh. shot all of the posters, all of all of the, you know, the, the marketing materials. He's an amazing- So he did like those those Instagram posts that like went up on Blake and- Anna's- at length about marketing <laughs> for this movie. Incredible, the marketing for this movie. Yes. Yeah. They, he brought me in. I mean, we we had Tim come to the set, and I was, you know, he was really into the movie, and I was playing music. I I had Teddy Shapiro, my my composer, had him compose music for the movie before we even started shooting it. So I knew mm-hmm. what the theme of that and all mm. that was, and play that for Tim. And then after we were, you know, we were in in post production, Tim called us in to do a presentation, and we walked in, and he had had French pop music playing and the walls covered with these posters. I mean, I wish I could show you some of the, the posters we didn't use. They, every one of them was a work of art. It was just- I will give you any money I have, which is not much. Send those to <laughs> Any of these. Would be my home. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, yes. Any single one of them. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I actually, actually, if I can find the old files and stuff, I'll, I'll send them to you so you can see them because they're yeah. really- don't tell me with a good time. Yep, yep. That like there, like, it, there's I I have cited uh, Blake's Instagram about this matter before in in this pod, but I don't think I brought up the one where it's like because she had like little videos that like that she would post, and there was one where it like starts on her face and it looks like she's covered in cocaine, and it rotates as it pulls out, and she's like baking a cake in a kitchen, but yeah. like the it, the immediate thought it wants you to have is Blake Lively covered in cocaine watch a simple favor and i said okay <laughs> yes yes or the one with her covered with uh, uh looks like blood and she's got blood. Mm-hmm. yes yes it's, yeah we 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 really went for it i mean it, that was that's the fun thing about a movie that's kind of outrageous in, in its in its dna is that you got to support it that way yeah yeah, yeah. yeah we have it. 
we have we have suggested a, a very likely episode title for this installment of the podcast, which is the audacity of this bitch, the Paul Feig episode. <laughs> so, just so you I know that. I yeah, I was gonna say if you're as long as you're okay with that, that's probably gonna be the official title for this. Two thumbs up for me. Great. <laughs> that's the yeah, blessing that, we needed. That is. No, I'm just so grateful to you all for doing this. It really it means the world because. Thank you. This, like I said, you know, I said at the beginning, this is one of my favorite movies I've ever done. And I've spent a lot of time going like, I, it, did, it didn't get what I wanted it to get just commercially so that we could sure. make another one. And, you know, because I, I really want to do a sequel to this and I already kind of know what it would be. We will crowdsource that money. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> we'll do it. I, yeah. I will continue to not stop talking about this on Twitter <laughs> yes. and just continue yeah. like, so you can have a raft of, of, of audience <laughs> sample. You yep. can bring to to the executive people, the check writing people, and be yeah. like the the people are here for this, and they're now clamoring, they know. Frankly. They're clamoring, yeah. clamoring, and now they know. <laughs> Listen, we're talking to Super Yaki about a a simple pod like merge line. We're bringing yeah. the the word of a simple favor to the public. Mm -hmm. There you go. Yeah. I, my first line of business, I, I need to get Funko Pops made of. Uh, yes. <laughs> you really do. We re that will be the glass. one set of Funko Pops I will own if that happens. <laughs> Proudly. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. We need the, the Lego set. The Lego set. Yeah. <laughs> All vlogging setup. Yeah, it's I want a Lego set of all the universes. I want the Lego spy universe. I want oh, it all. God, yes. I'm with you. <laughs> well, we, I think we, you do not have to stick around for however we outro this sign off, which we'll probably be talking about you, which you probably, you don't need to necessarily sit here and listen to us do. Yeah, I probably won't so, crush the outro with you on the, on the call. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm, I'm getting out of here. Then. You, thank you so much. Thank this you been such a pleasure. so much for so taking this time. Paul. Oh my God. You guys are all so wonderful. I really can't thank you enough. And um, if you need anything else, please, please let me. Thank you. No, thank, thank you. World, thank thank you very much. We we appreciate your time and we so look forward to a simple favor too. <laughs> we'll go. make it happen. Yes. <laughs> Please stay in touch. I'll talk to you guys soon. Yes, All thank right. you, Paul. You have a great Bye day. You. Thank you. He is the friend everyone would want. He is the director everyone should have. Sorry, I just started screaming at a certain point because I was just yeah. very riled up. I think I think we charmed the pants off him, and honestly, God, we not that scene at the end where they're just like working together forever now. Oh, oh my Hello? God, that, I, that makes my life. All of our suspicions. I hate confer. you, test audiences. I oh, hate you. I understand it. I feel like it could have been like an after the credits scene. Yes. Let's, let's like, where's let's the Marvel movie we needed? That way that you that can get that like Chris bending and then you can be like, actually, best friends. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> and, and then, then you, you have your perfect lovers. setup for Simple Favor 2. And, and they get married really so that they can get like the, the real meetings so that they can get the like, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Sorry. I just like spun out into a fanfic place so quick. I was like, well, <laughs> we then there'd be a forced bed sharing problem. <laughs> <laughs> this is the sequel that we will. I like. And he said he wants to make a sequel. We got to get him that yeah. sequel. We got to start that campaign. Yeah. I know. I know. We, We're we, getting we, a sequel. He, he We're deserves this make from it us. Happen. We he have deserves seen, this from us. We have seen the power of studios changing their mind from things becoming cult classics. We can do that. <laughs> we'll do it. took a risk once. Do it again. <laughs>
Ugh, oh my god like i you know i i hope i hope uh you know in our for our out i hope everybody out there is uh, as uncollected right now as we are yes. yeah team we are really oh. kind of losing it as a as a unit <laughs> as a as a podcast collective spiraling just fully yeah. spiraling um, I have already blacked out. I don't remember anything that we just discussed. So I hope that th- listening to this was as fun for you guys as it was for us to be there. And again, that's me remembering that it was fun, having no recollection right. of what was said. All, right. all I really abstract. remember is that we we and Paul Figo are all best friends now. That's kind of the yes. only takeaway that I think it would make sense to have. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So if you want to talk about paul feig famously our best friend with us on the internet you can do so at yep. hashtag a simple pod and again you can find me on the internet twitter.com the website at c underscore grace t my you can find my co-host jordan at you can find me at on twitter at jor crew j-o-r-c-r-u and patreon.com slash cruciola mm-hmm. and why wouldn't you want to check out that patreon yes. for for you know, from one of your co-hosts who just brought you that illuminating interview with Paul Feig about your favorite movie. Think of what else favorite. she could do. Give her yeah. your money. <laughs> Give her some money. We're we gonna we're, we're gonna need started. her to have some money to start that bisexual circus movie. A <laughs> <laughs> thing I already forgot I said. So, that's... <laughs> Alana, where can the fine people find you on the internet? <laughs> they can find me, Alana Bennett, at. Alana Bennett, A L A N N A B E N N E T T. Please also use use the hashtag Simple Favor Two because we will make this sequel happen. We w- yep. we, w- I, we will make we this will. sequel happen. We are bringing we spoke- hashtags back as a community. <laughs> yes. We spoke Paul Feig being here into existence. Yes. Now we're going to speak the Simple Favor sequel into existence. We didn't think mm-hmm. that this would happen, and it happened. Nope. And I think that this means that we can manifest more things for ourselves. <laughs> yep. I would like to yep. speak Linda Cardellini into marrying me into existence. <laughs> Let's try that out. See how that goes. Linda Polanyi Nash with Christina. (laughs) (laughs) Literally anyone. (laughs) DMs are open, kids. (laughs) All right, we're gonna go. Particularly if you are, particularly if you're a woman over the age of fifty, pop in, slide into those DMs. She's she's got the brand, folks. (laughs) We do have to go and scream about this more now. Yeah. But thank you all for joining us, and uh, we'll see you next time on A Simple Pod. Thank you, moms. Bye, moms. Bye, moms. Bye, Bye, circus moms. (laughs) 